name is Fortune Teller Baba, and you're listening to the Hermit Style Podcast. Now, where's my brother? I need my 10 zenny back with 57 years interest. Welcome to the Hermit Style Podcast. Talking all about the Dragon Ball Supercard game. From competitive play to the world of collecting, with your host, Jimmy Bacon. Yo, yo, yo! What's up, everybody? Hermit Style Podcast. We're back. It is Friday, January 7th. I hope you guys have had a good week. Hopefully your new year has started off solid. I know mine has. And uh, we got a dope show today. Uh, we've got Jared Lopez, who is a second-place North American national finalist. I uh, went all the way to the finals with Android 16. Really, really cool deck, really innovative, uh, and I'm excited to have him on the show. We talk about his deck, the choices he made, and his run through Nats, going through all of his different matchups. So if that's uh, a deck that you're interested in, it definitely gives you a lot of insight, and regardless, it is just a really cool experience to talk to someone who... I mean, at this point, he is he's second place at Nats, right? Like, that's something that very, very few people um, can put on and say that was an accomplishment they had. So really exciting to get to talk to a player of that caliber. And, um, yeah, just, just get to get inside his head a little bit and go through his day at Nats. So hopefully everybody enjoys that. I know that I did, and, uh, yeah, but... In other news, outside of the Dragon Ball world, I got to bring this up. Uh, we had a Hermit-style fantasy football league. For those of you who are newer to the show or don't know, uh, I'm an avid football fan. I love watching football, and uh, I play a lot of fantasy football. I can't get enough of it. I love it. I probably <laughs> probably put close to as much time into fantasy football as I do DBS. <laughs> I uh, I just I really enjoy it. I love the strategy of it. It's really fun to me. But the league is over. We finished it up. Congratulations to Nuke and Foobs. Brant from Kami House Security took down the whole league. Had an incredible season. Was in first place almost the entire year and then just swept through playoffs. I was like, that usually doesn't happen. Most leagues I'm in, there's like one person that does really well all season and then they'll tank in playoffs. But he made he did all the way. We got first place. So congratulations. Sadly, I did not get there. I got third place. You know, can't be too mad about that. I was hoping to meet Mike in the finals in the Super Bowl championship, but my team tanked the week before. It was it was, uh, it was not good. My team was broken. Let me tell you, my team insane. Like the talent on my team was wild. They just you know the week of playoffs. Some of my players decided not to show. <laughs> And uh, I had uh, my main player hurt, and I had to play against Brant in playoffs, and he had the backup to Dalvin Cook, who was on my team, and Dalvin Cook did not play that week, and that uh, pretty much sealed the deal for me. <laughs> but uh, but no, it was a lot of fun, and um, if you all are interested in playing, I plan on doing this every year. It's just for fun. Uh, I put up signups and just first come first serve. Whoever gets to whoever wants to play will play. I will probably offer early access to anyone who is in this year's league, so long as they were active. Anyone who wasn't active, they will not get early access. But yeah, there will definitely be spots. So if you are also a fan of fantasy football, let me know. 
and uh, yeah, we we can play. <laughs> but anyways, let's uh, let's hop into the news. News from the lookout. All right, so not as much news to talk about this week as last week, so don't worry. <laughs> uh, but a few things to talk about. One, um, got to give the plug to the for the Patreon now. We've got the Hermit Style Patreon going strong, and it's been fun. It's been a really cool experience. Uh, I always, I, so this really goes back to my history of being a martial artist and teaching martial arts. I love teaching, and one thing that I've learned is through teaching and helping others learn different skills that you've acquired, it really helps you to get better. Um, so it's actually been really fun doing this Patreon. I've had to put a lot more effort than I normally would into creating content and really trying to go above and beyond. And it's honestly making me think more strategically about the game. So I'm learning too. So it's a really cool experience. If uh, you're looking to get more out of Hermit Style, I definitely recommend it. We have all different tiers. And uh, this week we've dropped a complete play guide on Hatchack and I dropped my list that I ran at Nationals. It's like a 2,500 page article. So it's really cool to reference. I break it down in different segments. So if there's things that you're wondering about the deck as you're playing, you can just go to that part of the article and uh, you can use it almost like a study guide. And then, um, so yeah, so that's up there. Jay put up his uh, Yellow Sin Shenron list at a complete play guide on that. He made it look way prettier than mine. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he, he did a lot of formatting stuff that's cool in a PDF. So you can check that out. I think it's like eight pages long. So we, we are putting the content out there. Today I just dropped a market observations uh, article. Actually, every morning I take some time and look at the market. I look at all the trends, cards that are going up in price, down in price, cards that are selling well, cards that aren't. And then I have a list of specific cards that I look at every single morning and just kind of track how they are doing. I think it's important to have knowledge of the market. It helps you to make more informed buying and selling decisions because this game is not cheap, but it is also very accessible so long as you are smart about it. So, um, and I, you know, you guys know on the podcast, if I find something really interesting, I share it, but honestly, there's so many things I look at. It's just too much to talk about. So I decided that, you know, I'll, I'll make that a Patreon perk. I'll throw that in an article. So if you're interested in different kinds of strategy, market things, um, we do an extra podcast live stream, check it out. Hermit style Patreon. I'll have the link in the description of this podcast as well as in the discord. And you have, if you are listening to this the day it comes out, you have less than two days to enter the giveaway I'm doing with Joku. We have an insanely low amount of entries to this. So that means you have insanely high chances if you enter to win a deck with an SCR in it. I'm giving away three decks. All of them are the starter Vegeta deck, but not the starter deck. This is a custom made deck that I made specifically for a tutorial. I'm giving away three versions of the deck, a basic beginner version with mostly skillless cards, but it does have an SCR. I have a mid-tier version that includes a small engine, and then we have the advanced version, which has a bunch of SRs and different things, including the set 14, I believe it is, red one-drop SR Gohan, that I can tell you now is going to be very desired with the new red U7 deck coming out in set 16. Uh, so yeah, if you want a chance to win a bunch of cool cards, in addition to what Joku is giving away, who he has Soul Striker, he has three Soul Striker decks that he's put together, um, we're giving away six, so you could win, and you could also win a chance to play on our channels and 
take those decks for a spin live for YouTube, which is a really, really dope opportunity. All you have to do is to enter, find three friends, get them to subscribe to both of our channels, have them send you a screenshot to prove that they did it, and then you post those screenshots in the Hermit Style Discord. There's a channel specifically for the giveaway. You'll see it towards the top. Go in there, post the screenshots. That's all you got to do, and you are entered to win. And we are going to do the giveaway live this coming Sunday. I'll drop a couple announcements so you know when. We're going to coordinate our schedules this weekend. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll do it live on YouTube. You can come hang out with us for a little bit. And we'll be we'll be giving, <laughs> giving away SCRs, six SCRs. What's better than that on a Sunday? All right. And then let's see. So we got the last of the SCR reveals. Reveals have not been completed yet, but we did get the last SCR reveal, which is the Kai. So we have another Supreme Kai SCR. And then, um, yeah, that's it. So the only thing left, well, well, not the only thing left, but what we really care about is the God Rare. So one of those three SCRs is going to be a God Rare. We've got the Mira Finn, we've got the Supreme Kai, and we've got the Vegeta. Everyone is thinking is going to be Vegeta. <laughs> if it is not Vegeta, I think Bandai is going to have uh, some trouble on their hands with some unhappy customers. So at this point, I think it's safe to assume it's Vegeta. Like, gosh, I, <laughs> if they make the God Rare like Mira Finn, oh my gosh, I don't, <laughs> I don't even know. I really don't know. Like, it's fingers crossed we get, we get the Vegeta and the rarity on it, I, whew, it could be crazy. Uh, if you do not listen to Top Sun Goku, he also runs a Dragon Ball podcast. His is focused on collectors um, almost exclusively, but it's a phenomenal podcast. Joku was actually on his show this past week, and they did a great episode and actually talk a lot about the God Rare and how rare it just may be. So it's definitely a cool listen if you want to get some more insight into that. But what we can all assume is it's going to be very rare and it will likely not be guaranteed. So that's all we know. And it's going to be a Vegeta. I mean, this, this could be crazy. Like this could rival awaken power in terms of value. I don't know if it will, I, I just, I don't know. Like It's just crazy. We got to see it, but a card that rare with a prime character, like Vegeta SSB Vegeta, it could be nuts. It, it could, it could just be absolutely nuts. So, man, that being said, um, if you want the Vegeta, my recommendations are going to be you're going to have to either buy a lot of sealed and do a lot of selling to make your money back off the cases you purchased, or you're going to have to, um, you're going to have to buy it like on release. You're going to have to buy it because, and this is just my opinion, you know, this is just for entertainment purposes only, so Make your own decisions at your own risk. Any money you spend, just consider it lost money. Um, you know, you can never guarantee any kind of return on investment and you can never guarantee whether a price will go up or down. That being said, in my opinion, what I predict will happen is we will see whatever you can buy it at on release, it's just going to go up. It's just, it's just going to go up. We've never had a card like this. Anytime we have a product where there's nothing like it, the market goes crazy. And with this specific product, I just, I think it's just going to keep going up. Everyone, every time one sells, the next person is going to want more. And I don't think that trend's going to stop. Now that said, if they come out and it's not as rare as we think it will be, obviously that changes things. But so long as it's not guaranteed in a case, 
I think that's what's going to happen. But, you know, we'll see. <laughs> Do what you think is best. We're in uncharted territory here, but it's very exciting times to be in the Dragon Ball Super Card game. So I'm stoked. And last up, let's talk a little bit about worlds. Um, I didn't really get to do a full episode about the world's recap. Honestly, it's a little difficult to make it a full fledged episode just because it's only eight. It's only eight players. Among those eight players, there were only five decks. Among those five decks, three of them were in our Road to Nat series, which if you haven't checked out, is still a great listen. We talked about Icarus, Gogeta Zeno, Cell Surge, and Soul Striker. Um, but we really went in depth, and honestly, uh, that and this isn't trying to sound uh, <laughs> uh, obnoxious, but most of our takes were correct. If you listen to those episodes, a lot of our takes, I mean, we might not have hit every single thing, but the majority of the takes for what we thought those decks would do and how they would perform was pretty spot on. So I'm not going to waste a ton of time just regurgitating that information. If you want to learn more about them, uh, you can go back and listen to those episodes. But I do just want to talk about what the results were and what that could mean moving forward. So of the eight players in Worlds, they took, there were three Icarus, two Gogeta Zeno, one Cell Surge, one Android 16, one Starter Broly. From North America, we had Andrew Duvall, who won Worlds uh, with Icarus, uh, taking down the whole event. And then we also had Jared Lopez playing Android 16. Unfortunately, though, he did not make it through the first round and make it into the top four. Um, but very, very interesting that he... I don't know. Like I really did not think he would take Android 16 until I talked to him today. And you guys will get to hear more about his takes. We actually recorded the episode right before his, um, right before the day that they played. So you get to hear a bit of his insight from before the tournament. Uh, but before I talked to him in my head, I was like, there's no way he plays Android 16 because everyone knows what it does. Um, but that being said, he's so good with the deck and so familiar with it he has that mastery of it where that's just, that's just his deck and he felt comfortable with it. And after talking to him, I, I understood more why he would make that his, uh, his selection. Um, and then the other surprise here is green starter Broly. Like that was wild. Shout out to pro and he's actually in our discord. He plays all the time. Um, really nice guy. I would love to get him on the podcast. We've talked about uh, doing some content together. Hopefully that'll come to fruition, but he saw an opening to play the deck you know, he thought that it had a great chance as kind of a rogue pick to come in that people wouldn't expect. Uh, he didn't want to bring in one of the meta decks, I believe. I, I know, I think he took he took a different deck that he definitely won the Asian the Asian Nats with. I can't remember what he said it was. I think it was Icarus though. Um, but he didn't want to take that. He wanted to take something that was more fun. And <laughs> he mained the commemorative photo, which is just hysterical. He even played it. I mean you gotta love the guy but uh honestly it was a good call he i mean he was able to steal matches off people and he made it to top four so huge accomplishment for him very really excited about that and i think starter broly could have a place as a powerful deck especially because if the ban list coming up which is a hot topic right now we know it's coming very soon the ban list coming up hits cell surge in a way that doesn't hit starter broly that could be crazy like that could really Starter Bowl is already strong. That could really up where it is in the meta. Um, so really interesting to see what will happen and how that will shake things up. Definitely was unexpected. Um, 
And at this point, we have to assume that Icarus is the best deck. It's the deck to beat at this point. That's what we have to assume. It had the best performance. Basically, just across the board, universally, it had the best performance. So when we're thinking about what we should be doing and what decks we should be playing, realistically, the first thing you should be doing is saying, can I beat Icarus? Uh, and if you can, cool. Uh, and there's a lot of different decks that you can play that could do well against Icarus, but the thing about the deck is it has such a good spread. It is in it every single game. Like There's there very few matchups where you play Icarus and you don't have a shot to win, uh, which that makes for a very scary deck. Uh, with Gogeta Zeno, I think that does affect your decision-making and what unison you play. Uh, with the Mira unison is most people's unison of choice. The Smoke Dragon unison is more powerful against Icarus. So you have to make a choice of what unison do you want to play and do you want to sideboard any. So that starts to change a little bit of how you think about Gogeta Xeno, uh, which did also perform well. One did also make it to top four, uh, which is also super cool. But it does change kind of how you think about that deck and how you think about that matchup. Uh, and then moving forward, I'm looking at red decks. I think some red decks have some really good Icarus matchups, uh, specifically the new red U7 deck. That deck seems really powerful, and I think it has a great matchup against Icarus. So that could also be a big thing to consider in what you play moving forward. Obviously, we've had limited testing. We don't even have a full reveal of the new set yet, and... Where we don't know what the tournament promos are going to be. There's a lot, of, a lot of unknowns still, but we're all really eager for some of this new stuff. And the Red U7 deck is really appealing to myself, so I'll be putting a lot more time into it and sharing my thoughts as I go. Uh, but that, that's another thing that has been really interesting to me in kind of evaluating where we're at and where we're going to go. But yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Those were the decks that made it to Worlds. Um, Icarus obviously took down the whole event, and. Um, I don't know if anyone was too surprised by that. I think everyone knew Icarus had a great shot, and Deval proved it. Deval proved how powerful the deck is. So at this point, it's looking at what beats Icarus, and then we have to figure out what's getting hit, what's going to be on the ban list. And Bandai, typically, if what we've seen in the past, when a deck is as powerful and it does this well, they're touching something on it at this point. This has happened now multiple times. So at the very least, I think Icarus will definitely get touched somehow, whether it will be the leader or a combination of leader and cards or just the cards. Um, you know, maybe they just hit some of the generic yellow cards. Um, maybe they just ban the leader and say, figure out the next one. Um, personally, I think it will be a combination of potentially both or just cards. I don't know. I keep going back and forth on it, as you can tell. <laughs> um, I could see Power of a Super Saiyan getting hit. Uh, that card seems very, very powerful in the deck. Um, the problem is if they just ban the leader, people just move on to the next most powerful yellow leader. Uh, you know, you have Gotenks, you have uh, Yellow Broly, uh, you have Golden Frieza. There's, there's a lot of other yellow leaders that can definitely do some work. So we'll see. We'll see. And also, interestingly enough, we have a new yellow leader coming that has access to another card very similar to Poutine, if you check out the reveals today, uh, which makes us believe, hey, maybe maybe they touch Poutine, because uh, having two Poutines on board, that seems pretty wild. Um, so really interesting. Go check out the reveals if you haven't. They're up on the, the official Facebook page, and I'll have them up on the Hermit Style Instagram as well. All right, but that wraps up our news for today. Let's get into our main topic where we sit down with Jared Lopez, second place at Nats. 
Turtle School Weekly Focus. All right, everybody. So for our main topic today, we have special guest and second place, second place finish at the North American Finals, the North American Nats. We have Jared Lopez. Jared, welcome to the show. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, I mean, it's, it's an honor to have you on here, man. Uh, congratulations on your big finish. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was it was crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had crazy matchups. Yeah. Everything was just a just a crazy experience. <laughs> I mean, I bet. I bet. How does it yeah. how, how does it feel to uh, to be second place? Like you figure like in all of North America, you are now the third person. There's only three total people who have been able to finish that well. Like, like, how does it feel to just be like, yep, that's me. I am, I'm the best. (laughs) (laughs) It feels amazing. Honestly. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, it it feels great. (laughs) Man. That's, that's like, that's so cool. That's so cool. And, um, I learned afterwards you, um, you go to the same locals as someone on our team, uh, Andrew, right? Yeah, that's true. That's correct. That's super cool. That's super cool. Yeah, we were talking about it uh, after the event, and he was like, "Oh yeah, he's from my locals." I was like, "What?" <laughs> yeah. So I was like, "Bro, you gotta you like get me in touch with him. <laughs> Let's get him on the pod." And then you were like, "Yeah, I want to do it." And I was like, "Dude, sick!" So yeah, super yeah. super excited to have you on the show, man. Um, so we're gonna talk all about basically everything from how you prep for nats to all of your matchups to your deck to everything in between. Um, so I guess we'll rewind and start all the way at the beginning um, of your prep. What made you decide that Android 16 was like the deck that you're taking, you're going to grind with and make it a Nats? Yeah, honestly, it, it just had so many good matchups. Like, I don't know why people aren't playing this deck because it's, it has a lot of really good matchups across the board, and I've been playing it for the longest, so I think a, a big part of choosing your deck is what you're comfortable with, and I was definitely the most comfortable with this deck. I was playing it since uh, they announced they were banning Reboot Gohan, because I was playing oh, Reboot wow. Gohan. Yeah, yeah. So I've been playing this deck for like however long that's been, like eight months, nine yeah, months. Yeah, that's, that's, that's quite a long time. Yeah, a long time. <laughs> yeah, so I was extremely confident with the deck, so... Uh, and I knew it could do well. I knew it had a lot of good matchups. Definitely game one has a lot of good matchups. And uh, yeah, just a lot of good matchups across the board. Yeah, that's 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 so cool that it's just a deck that you've you've just always been playing. Um, that That's super dope. And yeah, I agree 100%. Having a deck that you are comfortable with is so important. Um, I really wanted to switch decks and I was just like, you know what? I'm comfortable with the deck I'm taking. I'm just going to take it. So I think that's huge when you, when you have a selection, especially when you're playing for so long and so many rounds. Oh yeah. Uh, that's so big. Cause you're, you're going to play weird matchups. You're going to get in weird positions. You know, you, you played a minimum of 16 games. So mm-hmm, absolutely, exactly. absolutely agree with that. Uh, cool. So when so okay so you already knew that like that's it it's 16 did you do anything different as far as like you have your invite now you're like okay it's time to start getting ready for nats did you approach things differently or was it just the same old grind until nats it was pretty much the same old grind we had a a few test sessions with the local players in arizona 
uh, to help us get ready for the different matchups. Uh, but yeah, aside from that, it was just pretty much just the same, just playing games as much as I could against meta decks. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. So when you were, when you were just curious, so when you were testing, um, and you were like, okay, like, let's get some sessions in like good reps for Nats. What, mm-hmm. what were the main decks that you guys were, were play testing against? Uh, it was Soul Striker because at the time, uh, the Kefla stuff wasn't out. So we're still like playing with printout cards and stuff. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Icarus. I did not test against mono yellow Icarus. We actually tested against blue yellow Icarus. So, uh, okay. what else? Oh, and Gogeta Xeno. That was a big one because I knew that deck was going to be popular. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Cell Surge. Okay. Gotcha. Yep. So yeah, yeah that was, that was spot on. <laughs> yeah. They're <laughs> just mainly the top contenders. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think yeah. they definitely were, they were the four that we talked about on the show. And then I actually just, uh, I just recorded a podcast that I'm about to drop after our conversation. And I looked at all of the results and funny enough, those were indeed the four most rep- represented leaders in the top cuts of all the finals. Uh, oh, wow. So yeah. yeah. So you guys were, were spot on with that. Yeah, they're they're good decks. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, okay, cool. So, you get your testing in. When so when you test, is there anything that you do special when you're going against those matchups? Do you play them like you're just playing a normal game, or is there anything additionally that you do when you're testing? Uh the only thing is like sometimes I'll let my opponent go first if I want to practice going second, gotcha. uh, or if like sometimes if we're doing best of one tournaments, we'll just play sided uh, before. Okay. Um, yeah, but nothing too different. Just pretty much the same. Just best of three. I actually as many games in as you can. Yeah, I think that's really cool. If you're prepping for a best of one, though, to to prep pre sided, I think that's actually really cool because it shows that you're still you're still working on best of three decks. You're still working on the side deck element, and it's like, okay, if I can beat you with a full side, I can definitely beat you with no side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. That's actually that's actually a really cool way to to go about that. Um, okay, cool. So, all right. So you're finalizing your list. Um, were there any like obviously uh, you know you've the deck you took you, you were practicing it for a long time. Were there any changes that you made to your list specifically for nationals that you wouldn't have normally played or normally ran? Um, I think for the main deck, I kept pretty much everything the same for the longest time. Okay. I think all my changes mainly came in the sideboard. Okay. And, uh, and trying to come up with a sideboard for 16 is such a nightmare because I, it's like, you can't really side black cards because if you ramp a black card accidentally, it just sets you back so much. Yeah. So I didn't want to risk it. So trying to come up with like useful non-black cards that I could side was... Uh, pretty difficult, uh, but I made a few changes uh, leading up to Nats. I think I put in like Release Ball, um, East Kai. I definitely put in East Kai. That was a good addition to the sideboard. Okay, yeah, that that card's sick. That card is really sick. Um, yeah. How did they crazy. perform Release Ball and East Kai? Did you bring them in? Uh, I only brought in Release Ball once, but it like won me the game. So oh, hey, not, well, there you yeah, go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did but, what it needed uh, to do. Yeah, exactly. But aside from that, it wasn't really that useful. 
Uh, East Kai, I wish I was playing more of because it was just, it's so good against a lot of decks because a lot of decks are playing cards on your turn. So she's pretty much always guaranteed value. Uh, I mainly played her as a pseudo BMS uh, for Deborah and other like anti-hand destruction cards. Uh, but she's just good in general, like against uh, Icarus, the Reposts, the Gokus. Um, and then like pretty much every secret rare that's being played right now plays itself on your opponent's turn. Pan, Kai, Patchyak. Uh, what else? Yeah. Oh, I- and Android 21. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was, I was saying you're you're correct. Yeah, it's like all all right. That that card is really good right now, so I can see why that put in a lot of work for you. Oh yeah, absolutely. It was insane. Uh, also, pretty black holes a really good side card, especially in sixteen, because a lot of your bodies are high cost, so it's always going to get you a lot of value. Oh, that's really cool. That's really cool. Um, how many? Just how many did you side? Uh, of the pretty black holes. Yeah. One, yeah. Wow, did it ever also, come up? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think against Gogeta, it came up. I think I got a KO like a... What did I KO? I think I KO'd like a fighting against fate or something because I popped one of my six drops. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, that's sick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But that's the thing also. You can't really side too much green in as well because your Majin Buu is four, four specified blue. Yeah. So if you ramp green accidentally, it could be really bad sometimes. Yeah, so, so just speaking about the deck, obviously this is all audio, so there's no picture of the deck up. Can you just kind of talk about, for our listeners who may not be as familiar with 16, just the general um, play lines and idea of how the deck works? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So generally turn one, you're not doing too much. Uh, so you're, you always want to mulligan for either uh, Android 16 Energy Amplification, which is the one that ramps you one, or uh, Speedy Substitution, which is the one-drop Android that looks at the top five for an Android. Uh, I always hard mulligan for those cards, so the only cards I'll keep in my hand are one blue-green Android 16, or those two cards, or Hatch, uh, or Zamasu. Uh, And if I don't see those, I just mulligan everything back. Uh, Turn two, you always want to do Energy Amplification, and then going into your turn uh, three, you want to play Majin Buu. And then from there, it just really depends on uh, what your opponent's playing. But that's generally uh, the opening moves for Android 16. Gotcha, gotcha. And then what what are you doing to, to win games with your version of 16? Usually it's just hand destruction. It depends on the deck. But most games, I'm just going in like trying to set up a Zamasu, two Zamasus, uh, tax my opponent out throughout the entire game. And the longer the game goes, generally, the better I do against most decks. Uh, but yeah, honestly, it's just really just hand destruction. Gotcha. Okay, very cool. Very cool. Yeah. And um, I believe you you already have a deck profile um, on YouTube, I believe, correct? Uh, I do not have a player interview. We've been trying to do a deck profile. Oh, We've had gotcha. to reshoot it like two times. Oh, no. Issues. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully I'll, I'll get one out. Maybe this week, hopefully. Okay. Yeah, let me know. Yeah. I'll, I'll definitely post it up for everyone to see. Um, Hell yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, cool. Um, so, yeah, so that hopefully gives everyone a little insight onto how it's played. Um, before we go into your run at Nats and talk about your matchups, what are some cards that over or underperformed that we haven't talked about yet? Um, let me think about it. 
over. I think everything pretty much performed as expected. Oh, actually. <laughs> he said, was- he said, you know, <laughs> I was, I went in, I figured it'd be about second place run and that's what I got. <laughs> actually in, in, in the sideboard, I did side in the Gohan Piccolo, the blue green, the bottom decks, two, three drops. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, that, that really underperformed. I didn't really need it. Like the deck already has enough removal for the most part. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, so that, that card definitely underperformed. Also 17 and 18, the uh, eight drop. Yep. Uh, that really underperformed. It really never came up in any matchups uh, just because it's, it's like kind of hard to get to eight. Yeah. And, and play it because you're really only ramping once a game with 16. You're not ramping more than once. Right. So trying to get to eight is pretty difficult. Uh, I had it in there for sin, which is not bad against sin, but I didn't play against any sin. Yeah, that's um, funny because we had a one guy on our team took sixteen, and um, we were talking about how that would be really good against sin, and we expected to see a lot more of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and like oh, yeah. most most of us didn't play against sin either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I don't play a single sin, so it didn't really come up. But uh, yeah, probably would have been useful in that matchup, but I just didn't play it. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. Uh, cool. Well, let's uh, let's kind of jump straight into then your run. Do you want to just talk us through your matchups throughout the day? Uh, yeah, sure. So, round one I actually played against Super Seventeen, the yellow one. Really? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So starting well enough, into like, the jungle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there was actually a repair round one. So initially, I was sitting down against Sin Shenron. Uh, oh wow. Speak of the, the devil. Repair, yeah, exactly. But then the repair, I got Super 17. Um, I actually have played against that deck before with 16. Uh, but yeah, I went 2 It's It's a really rough matchup for Super 17. Uh, I don't remember if he was signing any anti-hand destruction cards, but that's mainly how I won the game. I usually just... Yeah, there's a few times in the game where he just had his hand at zero and he couldn't do much. Wow, wow. Yeah. Uh, and then round two, I played against Gogeta, which is generally a pretty close matchup, uh, but I managed to get that one 2-0. Um, can't remember. Oh, yeah, yeah. So against Gogeta, it's like, it's a pretty good matchup. They're, well, it's like 50-50 matchup. Uh, if they're playing Pan Secret Rare, it's like better for you. Because I feel like Kai, the Kai Seeker against my deck is devastating compared to, to Pan. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so uh, I got, got the win there, 2-0. Uh, round three, I played against Soul Striker. And uh, Soul Striker also has a pretty bad matchup against 16. Uh, just they can't really deal with a lot of hand destruction. So it's really rough for them. And I also feel like the blue matchups are generally like a battle of the unisons. Like if you could stick a unison on board against Soul Striker, uh, just to be able to trunks their Keflas. And against 16, they also want to keep a unison so they can uh, trunks your 16s. So it kind of comes down to like whoever has the most unisons. Uh, and also the hand destruction aspect. Uh, but yeah, I got it 2-0 there. The Kai's came in clutch in that matchup. Uh, he was setting oh, into Burroughs. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. He was setting into Burroughs, but he, he didn't into Burroughs because I had the Kai's on board. I just nice, didn't want to nice. egg. Yeah. Uh, and then I got, got the win there, 2-0. Uh, what did I play round three? 
around four, I think. I think I played against Invoker round four. Oh, wow. Were you playing yeah, against yeah. Legends, or was it someone else who brought Invoker? Yeah, yeah. Legends. Gotcha. Um, but that's also like a really rough matchup for Invoker. Just, they can't really, it's like too many swings for them to handle. Yeah. And then I, I build a, a really wide board. Um, and also, I don't think he was citing any Deburras or anything. So that really hurt him as well. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, that seems yeah. really favored to you. Yeah, yeah. Then round five. What did I play against round five? Oh, Cell Surge. I played against Cell Surge. And that was actually... that. I went 2-1 that matchup. That's actually a pretty close matchup. Especially if they have Demigra in the side or in the main. Uh, just because they can Charismatic early. Um, yeah, that one was really close. It there's uh yeah i can't i think i'm trying to remember against cell surge zamasu is like establishing a zamasu is really important because uh they can't get their ko effects so like they can't start their frieza chain or anything oh yeah uh, and it's also just a body that sticks on board and against cell surge if you hand they're not gonna have a big hand so if you're doing hand destruction on them it's really good for you and with 16, you don't really need a hand because you have like your second hand and your energy. Um, yeah, so I, I think generally that's a good matchup for 16, but I think it could definitely be really close depending on what they sideboard. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, what did I play against round six? I think Android 21 was round six. Oh, yeah. wow. How's that matchup? <laughs> Uh, I feel like it's pretty good for 16. I don't think he was running any anti-hand destruction like Deburras or anything. Gotcha. Because uh, he, he also has the same problem where he doesn't want to ramp into black. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, he needs his specified energy. Uh, and, and the hand destruction was just too much. Uh, generally, the hand destruction against any blue deck is going to be too much. Yeah. Because this deck actually does have a lot of hand destruction. It does. And I mean, you've got that benefit of ramping. you got the benefit of the wide board. And mm -hmm. when you're playing against the blue deck, blue has just historically struggled versus hand destruction decks. Like throughout the oh, history yeah. of this game. So yeah, that, that all makes perfect sense. Absolutely. Um, what did I play round seven? I th oh yeah. I think round seven I played against uh, your boy, Nick, Nick, right? Yep. Nick yep. Yeah. Yeah, so that one, I, I got that one 2-0. He actually milled three super combos in back-to-back -back games. I know, he told me. <laughs> yeah, which I feel like kind of cost him the game. <laughs> um, yeah, and I know in game one, he like didn't realize how aggressive you could go. And he like tapped out mm -hmm. at a really bad time against you, apparently. Maybe we can hear more your side <laughs> of the first game. Yeah. Uh, I completely forgot, but I do remember like beaning twice or something. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, there was like some nut play you hit, and he was like, holy crap, I shouldn't have tapped out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, the deck could be really aggressive uh, for sure, but I forgot what I played. I did something crazy. I know I did that, but yeah. And and then game two. Game two was actually pretty close. Um, pretty Black Hole actually came in clutch there. I forgot what he KO'd on his side of the board, but it definitely came in clutch. It also drew me into Hatch, which kind of secured the win. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, not for Nick, but sorry, Nick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for you, it's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, and then the last round I played against Icarus, which was pretty close, which was the only game I actually went to time in. 
every other game I didn't have to go to time in. Uh, and that one was pretty close too. I, I, it was 2-1. I got the first game, he got the second game. And then in the time rules, so we went to time and we had to go to time rules and uh, I think I had more life, so I got the win or something like that. Or I had more battle cards on board. Gotcha, um, yep. Yeah. Wow, man, time rules are so crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, luckily I didn't have to, that was the only match I went to time in, so I didn't have to worry about it too much. Right, right. Yeah, that's yeah. that's super cool. Okay, so so you finish amazing. Um, so you never dropped, you never dropped a match. No, yeah, no, I didn't uh, drop a match. I only dropped two games, and that was against Icarus in the last round and Cell Surge. That's amazing. So you finish. Yeah. So that's so you finish first overall in Swiss, correct? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. Wow. All right. So you finish first in Swiss. What like what do you, what did you do like they like you you get that announced how like what did you do that night? <laughs> Honestly, I just like I went to the hotel and then like I hit up a few of my friends. I'm like, do you want to test? And I tested with a few of them. And then I was talking uh, with Daniel Delby. He he also got top sixteen with Soul Striker. I was helping him with uh, his matchup, and he was helping me with uh, my matchup because we knew our opponents the next day. Gotcha. So we're just trying to prepare for those matchups. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Cool. That's definitely smart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um did you guys have access to the deck lists that they were playing? Um I th- Yeah. We we tried to just look it up at Deck Planet and we just happened to find find them. So nice. Um yeah. I didn't know if because a lot of times the deck lists get disclosed um prior to the tournament so everyone has knowledge of the decks i wasn't sure if like they had sent you guys like everyone else's lists or how that worked oh yeah no no we, we didn't get anything but the day two we did get access to our opponent's deck list like right before the match gotcha okay all right well let's let's jump into day two so walk us through what <laughs> how day two went uh, I mean, I got second, went pretty good. But, <laughs> so it uh, went great, conversation over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, getting first, and so the way it works, if you if you get the higher seed will always go first, so you don't get die rolls anymore in top cut. So the first, getting first place day one really helped me throughout all of day two. Yeah, that's amazing. Because going first, going first with 16 is really good, because you're going to be able to boo when they have two energy, which is insane. Um, yeah, so round one, I played against Soul Striker. Um, yeah, and I feel like that's just a really bad matchup for 16. Just they don't have too much to do with the hand destruction. Uh, it was actually pretty close, it was 2 1. Uh, I remember one game, I double kied him the turn he hatched, and then I was swinging with something that made him discard, so he had to like neg five. Wow, oh my god, that's brutal! Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I, I got that one, 2-1. Two, one. Uh, round two, I played against King Piccolo, which is actually a really close matchup uh, with 16. Because like, we're both kind of doing the same thing. We're both comboing and then playing cards. Um, it's, a, I don't know, it's, a, it's such a weird matchup, because they could build such a wide board, and it's just, it's just annoying to deal with. Um, it seems like a, a pretty grindy match. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, what was it? 
like we were, I think, I don't even know how long our games were. They were super long, though. I remember that. I think it might have been an hour 30. Yeah, I think it might have been an hour and 30 to finish like two games or something, which is crazy. Um, But yeah, I managed to get that one 2-0. But honestly, I feel like either game one or either game two could have gone to him. It it was just that close of a matchup. Um, Yeah, and the Android 21, the Villainous 21, uh, the one that bottom decks everything for less was super clutch. Oh, nice. Yeah, there was that one point where he had like, I don't even know how many battle, like eight or nine battle cards. And then I just played that and Whoa. I just wiped his entire board. Wow. Yeah. Did you but side then, that or main it? I sided that. Wow. Yeah, that, that was definitely a side card. Uh, shout out to Irvin for suggesting that one. Uh, but then he also, he played the five drop Goku that minuses 20 on everything. So like literally <laughs> right after I cleared his board, he cleared he my cleared entire board. Oh my yeah, gosh. Yeah. You're like, yeah. and the grind just starts over. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it was crazy. Wow. Um, yeah, so I got that one 2-0, and then going on to round three, I played against Cell Surge. Um, yeah, and that one was... I got that one fairly easily. It was 2-0. I feel like he wasn't seeing his Cell Surges, the nine drops that let him awaken, and I feel like that really hurt him in the matchup. Uh, but yeah, against Cell Surge, like you don't really need a hand, so like... There's a lot of times in the game where I had my hand at zero and like I could just still play cards for my energy and then I was fine. Um, and then establishing a unison against Cell Surge is really good, especially Boo, uh, but just any unison, which I, I did have Raditz in the sideboard for Cell Surge, uh, just to have another unison that draws. Interesting. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. And then, uh, so I got that one 2 0, and then I played against Icarus, and then. I, I lost that one. It was, uh, I feel like, so game one, I got game one. I feel like I got game one pretty easily. But yeah, I, I, as soon as I saw his sideboard, I, I was just like, oh man, I'm, I'm in for a game. Because he had like, <laughs> he had three Deburs in the sideboard, three Gohans, the one where if you discard it by opponent skills, you play it and it draws one. So it was just like, game two, I think I established two Zamasus. And I just knew, I knew the Deburas were in his hand, and I was debating whether or not I should attack him or not with the Zamasus. And I was like, oh, it feels bad not attacking with Zamasu, it really does. <laughs> because it's a 20k swing, and then also makes them discard. So I was like, I was debating whether I should make him discard, or just like, play the entire game without making him discard until I get a Kai. And I just went the discard route, and it, I feel like, I don't know. It was a tough decision, but I feel like maybe I should have just not made him discard the entire game. Yeah, that, I mean, that is really hard, though. You just have to, like, it's like yeah. picking your poison. Like, which way do you go? Because then you don't, exactly. and it's like, well, man, now my deck isn't doing what it wants to do. So it's like, what? Exactly. <laughs> it's it's tough. Um, we, on the show, we call it going full Canadian. <laughs> you say, hey, man, if you got it, you got it. You just slam it down and swing. <laughs> True. <laughs> Uh, unfortunate he had it. Um, man. Yeah. Yeah. That, that it's funny too. Cause that sideboard, like those cards are really there for cell surge. It was just, you were the unfortunate aftermath of, of that sideboard. Oh yeah. 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 That was, uh, it was rough. I think he resolved all three Deburas and all three Gohans like Holy game three or something. Crap. Yeah. And I was just like, Oh 
man. Our, our boards on game three were crazy. I had like eight battle cards on board. He had like nine battle cards on board. It was, it was just insane. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So when you're, man, so like eight battle cards, nine battle cards. For our listeners, um, there's definitely a time where you have to pivot. And sometimes you have to pivot multiple times in a game. So mm-hmm. they have a big board and they're attacking with their board. There's times where it makes sense to swing into battle cards. There's times when it's like you just are like, okay, it's time to push for game and you start swinging at life. When you guys had that board, I'm just curious, what like what were you doing at that time? Were you focusing on clearing his board or were you like, I just got to kill him? I think the last turn before I lost, I think I was going for game because I knew I probably couldn't survive uh, the turn after. But most of the game, I definitely was swinging at a slug because, yeah, that card was a a thorn in my side. It was just, it was shutting off my draws from Boo and and the leader doesn't draw when he awakens. So you, I I use the Boo as a, a, just a draw engine. And so a majority of the game, I was just attacking into slug um until the last turn but generally i'm just yeah i'm swinging at their battle cards for the most part right that make that makes a lot of sense um and i think there's really a, a real gem piece of advice that you just gave there to our listeners i don't even know if you realized it but there's definitely a time in the game where whatever your focus has been if you know that like you you're basically like you're in check it was recently explained um, to me. And I think this is really cool. It's actually on, um, it's either last week's episode or, or the one coming up. So sorry if I spoiled this for the listeners, but, <laughs> but, um, uh, but it's kind of like if you're playing chess and you've been put in check and if you cannot defeat them that turn, it's checkmate. So it's like, yeah. you felt that and you were like, okay, it's time to switch gears and push face. That's definitely a skill that you have to learn in this game and know when it's like, okay, all my other options are gone. Like even if I work on clearing his board at this point, I cannot win this game. So I have to kill him now. And that's what you did is you pivoted at that time, but you also understood leading up to that point that mitigating that disparity and controlling that board and playing that resource game, that was more important because if you didn't, you would just get steamrolled. At least that's what I'm assuming. I don't know if that's correct. Yeah. Yeah, For the most part. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But but he played it great, you know, hats off to him. A uh, great player, definitely deserved the win. Yeah, for sure. I mean, clearly you are also a great player. Uh, <laughs> you had an amazing <laughs> run. You, uh, you know, obviously couldn't take down the finals, but bro, undefeated until the yeah. finals of Nats. That's insane. <laughs> and you took down some of the best players in the game while you were at it. So um, kudos to you, man. That is incredible, incredible job. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So tournament's over. Are there any cards that you would have? I know we talked a little bit before we talked about your run about some cards underperformed, like Gohan Piccolo. <laughs> Is there anything that you wish you would have played now that you've been through the tournament? Yes. Blue Impulse, I think, would have been super clutch in a lot of matchups. Uh, that is a sick like, card, yeah. Yeah, because... I know my opponent's going to side into Burrow against me, and most of my discards are coming on my turn. So if they play De Burrow on my turn, I can blue impulse and like blow up their entire board. Um, oh, yeah, that's dope. 
Yeah, so that definitely would have came in clutch against like Icarus and King Piccolo. Um, what other cards? Oh, Kaba, the Zenith, the five drop. Yep, uh, yep, actually, the new one. Get, get, yeah, yeah, it gets around barriers, so it's kind of an answer to slug. Um, I think it definitely would have cited that in just to have an answer for slug or any other barrier cards. Um, trying to think. Oh, there's also uh, Euro. I can't really say, I don't want to decide to Burrow because it's a black card, but there's an old Euro card. It's a two drop, 15k. If it's discarded by one of your opponent's skills, uh, it gets played, or if it's discarded by one of your revived skills, it gets played, and it's 15k blocker. Uh, so I think I might have had that for Cell Surge. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I think that's pretty much it. I can't really think of any other cards. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, well, those, oh, and that would be cool. I think I definitely would have taken out a prospect, heroic prospect, because that card just like I never really cited it in. I, I had it for sin as well, but yeah, I just it really underperformed it, and I never really played it. Yeah, well, that's uh, <laughs> that's that's pretty funny because like if you think about it, like Gohan Piccolo and Prospect, both at different points in this game have been like mandatory cards that you play in blue, yeah, yeah. and now exactly. you know we're at a point where you're like, yeah, they underperform. It's super interesting. Um, well, cool. Well, I think that's really insightful uh, for everyone listening, including myself. Uh, you know, as far as how, you know how you played sixteen and different cards that that also would have been effective. It's all it's all really cool. Um, but man, so now it's prepping for worlds <laughs> like. Yeah, <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah. Tomorrow, right? Do you play tomorrow? Tomorrow, yeah, tomorrow. Awesome, awesome. Can Absolutely. you do you know what time you are playing? I don't know if you can yeah. even disclose that. Uh, I think I can disclose it. I'm not sure, but I, I know I'm playing at 4:30 p.m. Gotcha, gotcha. Time. Well, I guess it doesn't matter because by the time this comes out, <laughs> you'll yeah, have, you'll have already played. played. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So hopefully I'm posting this and we're celebrating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's the hope. <laughs> Do you know uh, um, yeah, who so, you're playing against? Yeah, so round one, I'm playing against uh, David Dew, and I, I believe that's the guy who topped Oceana. Okay. Um, what did he win with? Do you know? I think. What did he win with? I can actually. I think I it was have Vegeta. It was it okay oh, do you okay, okay. I, I think it is gogeta xeno though okay um and and then round two i'm playing against andrew doval again so i assume yeah. he's going to play icarus again Dave, david Liu did win with gogeta yep i just pulled it oh, up he did? yep okay yep that's gotcha. correct yeah his um his gogeta list is interesting he only runs one champa in his list and um he does main board two petrification and two Super Kame. Um, it's pretty standard. But he actually mm -hmm. runs the hyper aggro version of Gogeta. So he has the PyCon Unison with like the catastrophic one drop Gokus and all those cards. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm playing against him round one, playing against Doval round two. And then I forgot the guy's name, but the guy who topped Asia. And I believe he's playing Icarus as well. I thought, man, sheesh. Yeah, yeah. So two <laughs> You're like, where are the cell surges? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, give me cell. <laughs> yeah. Um, now I'll just ask what you think. Um, you don't have to say for yourself. I'm sure you want to keep 
private what you're playing or you can disclose it if you'd like. But do mm -hmm. you think that these players are going to play the same decks that they took to Nats? Is that what you're expecting or are you expecting them to play something different? I think that's I think that's the safe assumption, honestly. Yeah, I yeah. think so, too. I think so. So, I mean, I'm definitely going to be preparing for that. I also don't know if we can change our deck for week two because it's going to be a two week event. Right. Um, Interesting. So that would definitely affect like my sideboard options and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd yeah, imagine you can't, but that's a good question. I wish they told you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I emailed someone today, so. Okay, cool. Hopefully cool. I get an answer. Yeah, today. yeah you, you're yeah, running yeah. out of time. <laughs> I am. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just looking at the, um, the Asia list that won. Um, his name is uh, Wang Po An. And hopefully I said that right. I'm sorry if I didn't, but it looks like it looks pretty standard. It's all the, yeah. the good yellow cards. Uh, he, he, he is playing Kai, I believe, right? Yeah, he has a slug engine. He plays the Kai SCR. He does play a shrouded foo. Um, he main boards FDC. I'm trying to see how many he boards. Uh, the, looks like two, maybe I'm trying to make my screen yeah he main boards two fdc uh he also main boards four of the soul striker hate the godly destruction we the one drop yellow cards interesting um yeah. but yeah other i think other than that it's pretty pretty normal uh yeah, I, I, looking list yeah i feel like the kai i would, I would always rather see pan because pan doesn't really do a whole much a lot against my deck, but Kai just is so devastating yeah, Kai, every time Kai is, it comes down. Kai, yeah. Kai is insane. Um, hey, maybe he'll switch. Maybe, maybe that'll be the oh change. Boy. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, shoot. Well, uh, well, dang. Well, that's awesome, man. What are you, what are you doing with all your winnings? Are you keeping them, selling some? <laughs> I've already sold a lot of stuff. Um, I'm selling everything except my trophy and the second place in Shenron. Nice, nice. Uh, I are would you, sell it if I if I got a good price, but I think I'm gonna hold on to it. The metal one or the alt art? The metal one. I did already sell the alt art. Sold one. the alt art. Okay. Yeah the, yeah. the metal's so cool, man. I don't blame you it at is. all. Like, yeah. Hard to put a price on that. <laughs> it also, yeah, also has a lot of sentimental value, so kind of want to keep it. Exactly. Exactly. Um, is there is there still other things that you're trying to move? Uh, the Gogeta's probably just those. The and then I think I have a, yeah, I think I have a few packs left. There you go. All right. Well, there you go, yeah. guys. If anyone, we do, I ask because we do have some collectors. Uh, we, we dive into the collector scene sometimes with this show. Um, not as often mm -hmm. as competitive Dragon Ball, but we do have some collectors that, that regularly listen. So there you go. If you're listening and <laughs> you need, uh, you need the Gogeta, hit up Jared. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you guys can work <laughs> out a deal. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, well, cool. Well, all right, man. Um, I, th I think that's pretty much it. Is there anything else that you wanted to go over that we may have missed or any shout outs you wanted to give? Uh, oh, some shout outs. Uh, yes. Shout out to my team, Team Genki Dama, uh, for helping me play test. Also, shout out to uh, Last Legacy Gaming. They're another Arizona team. They helped us play test. Um, yeah, shout out to all of Arizona and uh, all our uh, shop owners for keeping the community alive. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. Well, Jared, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Um, it's really an honor to have you on the show. Incredible performance. Congratulations again, and hopefully we'll talk soon. Thank you. Hopefully.
results of training. What a pleasure getting to talk with such an accomplished Dragon Ball Super player. Um, man, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. He made me want to try out Android 16. <laughs> I haven't played the deck before, but that certainly made me want to try it out. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it too. Um, unfortunate that, you know, he couldn't uh, make it the top four at Worlds, but really it doesn't matter. Just the accomplishment of loan of just getting there and getting to the finals of Nats is absolutely incredible. So again, shout out to him. Uh, really great guy. Really happy that he got there. But it is time for results of training, of course, brought to you by Pro Mats, the best mats in the game. I know I've been teasing the Hermit Style cloth mat in the Discord. Pre-orders are coming, I promise. I've honestly just been too busy to set them up. Um, even Jeremiah Pro Mats is like, hey, are you, are you starting the pre-orders yet? And I'm like, I am, I am, I promise. But regardless, show him some love. Go like his Facebook page, buy a mat, whatever you want to do. They are seriously such a good product. We need Pro Mats to stay. We need them to stay. I literally will not play on another mat now. This Hermit Style mat that I have made by him is so nice. The texture, the feel of it, the quality, the thickness, the stitching around the edges, it's perfect. I've now had a decent amount of time to play on it. I've traveled with it. I've played in multiple tournaments with it, and it is holding up perfectly there is no wear whatsoever. There's no fraying of the edges. I mean, it, it truly is really great quality, and he has all kinds of different designs. So even if you're like, eh, I'm not big on Roshi, he's got other designs. He's got other designs. You know, I, I personally will think of you a little less if you don't like Roshi, but that's just me. <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, for those who are, we'll say, Ill, ill-informed, misguided, he does have other characters that you can pick to buy playmats. But in all seriousness, uh, show them some love. Check it out, promats-customs.com. Again, that's promats-customs.com. All right, finally back to results of training. I know I've skipped it a lot. Um, I took a little break after Nats, and then we had some just really content-packed episodes lately, and then, of course, I took a little break for the holidays. But now we're back. I've got some testing in, and we can talk about it. So my deck of choice to play as of late has been Vigex. Um, I'm really enjoying it again. Uh, you all know I love Vigex. I've played it essentially since it came out, and uh, it's just such it's just such a fun deck. Even now, it plays entirely different. I still I don't know There's something about it. I just love it. So I play a control variant, and I did some testing against Xeno uh, Sin, and the matchup is pretty good. It's it's pretty good for Vigex. Um, that really the only thing that they can do to kill you is drop Shroud at Foo after they played all their dragons. If you do not have Unexpected Turn for that play, yes, that sucks. But as long as you have Unexpected Turn, which you should be, in my opinion, it should be a one-of in black control decks at this point. Force your opponent to play around it, and if you have it, just take them out of the game. It is your only answer to Foo, so any deck playing Foo and Vigex especially, because like in Hatchiak, I can stay at a higher life count. In Vigex, I am staying at a higher life count, but it can be much more difficult too. There are, more often in Vigex, I have to go to four. And once you hit four, you're in kill range. Like that, that, that foo is coming down hard. Um, and then even more so, like in Hatch, if I'm at six life and they drop foo, I can live through that a lot of times. Uh, if I'm at 
six life with Vigex, there's no natural floodgate. I'm probably still dying if they boarded that huge field of dragons. So unexpected turn is really essential. Even if you don't main it, you have to side it for that matchup if you're playing Vigex. Uh, but other than that, the everything they do doesn't matter a whole lot. They don't have any good answers to like my Oceanus. Uh, so I can effectively shut down their turns most of the time unless they're ironically going to mill themselves out. Their deck does a lot of milling, which really helps me. I don't care if I mill. It just burns through my deck faster, helps me to <laughs> get more of my targets on board and then reset my deck if I did mill something I wanted. So a lot of the strategies they want to do don't work as well. And then we're so defensive, they usually can't push us too hard. Um, so yeah, overall, the matchup feels fine. Um, you just kind of sit back and hang out for most of it and just generate as much hand advantage as you can. Uh, most points in the game, I had a, a very big lead on hand advantage over my opponent. Vigex accrues a huge hand. Um, so yeah, so that, that was really fun. Um, I think Vigex is a really solid deck right now. I don't think it's like hyper competitive or anything, but you can go do well with it. I topped the case tournament just recently here in Virginia Beach with it. Um, you, you can do well. Like in that case tournament, I played against Icarus twice and I beat one of them. Um, I played against Red Brolium one. I played against, uh, what else did I play against? I don't know. But regardless, the, the deck, the deck is good. The deck, the deck is good. It functions similarly to hatch. So you just have to understand what it loses from the floodgate and then find a way to make up for that. And the really, really cool part about Vigex is you don't have to attack to get all the benefits. You don't have to attack. So you, your, your leader mills three and draws. So you get to choose the pacing of the game a little bit easier and you never have to make that choice of, do I attack and give them a card or do I just not attack and not draw? That's a real choice in Hatchack. That doesn't matter in Vigex. Um, so that's, re that's really nice as well. So you do accrue a bigger hand size and it is a little easier to play cards like the draw boo, not even a scratch that help you to really get that hand bigger. And that's how we kind of compensate is we have that hand advantage over the opponent uh, by turn between sometimes between turns three and five, a lot of games I'm sitting between 15 and 20 cards in hand. I mean, it's, it's pretty wild. Uh, so yeah, it's fun. If you want to learn more about the deck, I did make a very detailed um, post of my game with, Xenosyn and the Patreon, and I am going to do a complete play guide on that deck as well. So that will be coming for those of you who are interested in it. Um, but yeah, it's 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 fun. It's fun. I'm having fun with it. I think I'll probably play it a little bit more, and then I'm gonna go ahead and switch over. We, we got to go back to our roots. We we got to hit that blue baby. You know, I was talking to Mike about it. I really liking Mike's input and what he's saying about it. I think the deck's very powerful. And, you know, Mike was the one who started the whole thing with Baby. So I was like, you know, why not? <laughs> so I think we're going to give Baby another run and see see how it's going to do this format. So hopefully I'll have more to report on that uh, next episode. But, uh, yeah, that, that is my results of training. Let's go ahead and see what Manaka's got for us. I got a special order on a pallet of sweets for Jocko. Wait, aren't you Monaka? Monaka's Delivery Service. All right. I'm actually so excited to get to some questions today. We have some more time, so I'll do some extra ones. We've actually had a really, like a lot of good questions that I've really wanted to get into. 
Uh, a lot of different people have asked me all kinds of different things. So let's, uh, let's, let's grab some questions. If, if you would like to have your questions answered on the show, it's very easy. All you have to do is join the Discord, get to level seven, and you can start asking questions in the Monaco's Delivery Service channel. And I randomly picked them. So let's see. All right. So <laughs> this one's from Nuke and Foobs. I'll, I'll, I'll start with the most recent question. He said, I know you're a bit of a Disney nerd as well. So what's your top three Disney movies? And if there was the most insane crossover, which Disney character or villain would you like as a guest SCR? Oh boy. <laughs> oh gosh. I got to think about this. All right. Let's see. Top three Disney movies. All right. Here's the thing. This is tough to answer because I feel like the intent of this question was animated Disney movies, but I don't know because Apparently I had to go, I had to actually pause the podcast and go to Google. <laughs> and I think I just read 700 movie titles to answer this question. <laughs> Apparently there's movies like the water boy and Deuce Bigelow, Mount Gigolo that are Disney unbeknown to me, but apparently that's true. I don't, maybe Google lied to me, I don't know. <laughs> but I'm assuming they are not contenders for your question. So I will answer. And I'm assuming that Marvel doesn't count either. Cause then you would have just asked, Top three, Marvel. So I'm going to exclude Marvel. I'm going to exclude non-animated movies and give you three animated, okay? So surprisingly enough, two of them are new, actually. Uh, so number one, my actual favorite animated Disney movie is Onward. Onward is phenomenal. It is literally a Dungeons and Dragons campaign in the form of a Disney movie. <laughs> like, it is sick. Uh, I love Dungeons and Dragons, if you all didn't know. I used to play every single week for almost two years, and it's so fun. I wish I could go back to playing. I probably will one day. But Onward is number one. Number two is a goofy movie. This is the classic. Uh, that Ironically, I had not seen until recently, <laughs> like the last few years. My fiance made me watch it, and then I understood. Uh, and then number three is Soul, another new one. Uh, I really, really enjoyed Soul. Uh, I actually don't like... I don't love like watching for some reason animated Disney movies. Like I'll watch them. They're usually like decent, but I don't like go crazy over them. My fiance loves them. So I watch them with her. Um, but yeah, I was, I was pleasantly surprised by Onward and Soul when we watched those two. So they, they actually made it into my top three and I just like Goofy. Goofy's just funny. Um, now if I can include real life actors, we'll just say for sake of brevity, I will swap soul for the santa claus like come on San santa claus is a sick movie uh we, we just watched it again with the holidays and everything it's such such a solid film um so yeah i would i would throw that in there um if you can do marvel you know you know what i won't even do that if someone wants to know my opinion on marvel i gave it before started a large debate if y'all want to know my opinion on Marvel movies and, and a list, ask the question, <laughs> put it in Monaco's delivery service and I'll get to it then. Um, and then there is a second part to your question. So as an SCR who I would like most goofy, bro, goofy as an SCR would be hilarious. Give me a goofy SCR. Uh, okay. So now that that is done, let's see, I'll delete your message and let's pick another random one. Let's see. Ooh, this one comes from OMG Clay Aiken. That is Nick. He said, which holiday has the best cookie? Clearly Christmas, because apparently for some reason people associate snickerdoodles with Christmas. 
and I love Snickerdoodle. Snickerdoodle, top tier cookie. Top tier, guys. Come on. Snickerdoodles all the way. Easy question. Next, let's see. Uh, Griddle said, who will win in a fight, Hercule or Chi-Chi? Chi-Chi, not a contest. Uh, let's see. Another question. Let's see. Let's see. Okay. What changes would you like to see in organized play going into the 2022 season? Uh, that's a really good question. It comes from totally not a Bandai spy. <laughs> Shout out to Spira. Uh, <laughs> All right. So what changes would I like to see? I actually made a really long, thoughtful post on this in the main community group. Um, David Fashbinder, Bender, I don't know how to say your name. I'm sorry. Uh, he's one of the judges in the game, made a post just asking for everyone's feedback. Uh, and I put my thoughts down. So I'll just kind of regurgitate the info that I kind of thought about when I answered his question. All right. So what I would like to see is a best of one format with pre sideboarding. Um, so basically before the match would start, you would reveal your leader, declare all colors you play in your deck, and then you and your opponent get to sideboard effectively. So that is the first, uh, thing I would like to see. Maybe if they don't go for declaring the colors, just because there's too much that can go wrong with people arguing over a color not being declared, at least show the leader so you can sideboard intelligently and, um, that way you have a chance, you know, uh, it, it's best of one format is fine. Uh, you know, I always am under the mindset that you can adapt to any rule set and compete no matter what. Uh, but you know, there's always also improvements we can make. And in my opinion, that would be an improvement and would decrease variation and increase skill, which in my opinion for a competitive game is always good. So I would like that. Uh, as far as best of three goes, I think that we need to implement some rules to help with time and rounds. Um, and really, no matter what, just playing a set number of rounds based on the number of participants. Uh, I, I do not like doing the play till undefeated. Uh, I think that as far as slow play goes, which, you know, obviously slow play is what brought everyone to the best of one format and now figuring out how to optimize that format at Nats, there was a lot of talk about how slow play would be enforced very heavily, which I think they did everything they could, given what was what was stated as written in the rules. Um, my issue is that it's very subjective. There is no quantitative measure on defining slow play. There isn't one. It is literally all subjective. My opinion on slow play may be different from my opponents. That is an issue. That is an actual issue that for some reason no one is addressing. Everyone is assuming it is understood that we are on the same page as to what defines slow play. But I can say for certain that we are not. I heard people at Nats trying to call out slow play when their opponent literally took 10 seconds. I mean, <laughs> I had other opponents who did not want to call slow play unless whole minutes had gone by like multiple times. I mean, there's just, we need an actual way to define it. So I think that there should be time restraints based on phases of turns. Uh, I think that essentially there should be a clock that goes off for different actions in different phases of the turn. Is this feasible to implement? I'll be honest, probably not. But if you want to enforce it, 
this is the way to do it in my opinion. When you start your turn, you have a charge phase. You should have X amount of time to complete that phase. After you are done charging, you then have the opportunity to declare an action during your main phase. You should have a set amount of time to declare that action. So whether it would be playing a card, declaring an attack, whatever I'm going to do, activate a main skill, I should have a set amount of time to do that. And then once I do that, the clock resets. The issue with this is obviously people could abuse this and say, okay, I have all these different effects. I will wait out the exact amount of time, declare the effect, then go to the exact amount of time again, and then declare the next effect. That, I mean, yes, I understand that problem comes with it, but what is the point of having rules against slow play when you cannot define it? I can just simply argue that I wasn't slow playing at that point. Or... I can, as soon as my opponent calls slow play on me and gives me a warning, I can wait a minute and go, judge, he's slow playing. Now it's word versus word. Or what if a judge comes over and my opponent accuses me of slow playing? And I say, no, I wasn't. And they say, how long? I say 10 seconds. How do you prove that? You cannot. Uh, so I think that you, if in order to enforce it, you have to have a way to define it. Otherwise, it really doesn't matter. It's just, in my opinion, it just doesn't matter. Um, like, why are we talking about it? We might as well spend our efforts in defining a format, like a best of one pre-sideboard where you can actually just finish the game. Like, there's no slow playing happening in that kind of, of, of setting, you know? Very, very, very seldom will that ever actually come up as a way to draw out a game. Uh, so I think that, that would be a way to enforce it that could be cool is, you know, timing phases of the turn. Um, and maybe it's if you all you did was declare and activate main, then you only have X amount of time to go to the next action. You know, like maybe it is um, or maybe that time doesn't include declaring your activate main effects. You know, I don't know. Obviously, it's not fully worked out, but something to define it has to happen to enforce it. All right. I think you all understand where I'm going to with that. <laughs> uh, now, if we can define slow play with a quantitative measure, I would love to see overtime have unlimited time and just turn zero through three because ultimately there is a time limit if you only have so much to work with for each action of your turn. So at that point, you would not have to worry about only making it two turns to overtime and not getting your last turn in because time's up. So if we were able to do that and enforce it over time, having unlimited time and just turn zero through three would be phenomenal. Uh, let's see. Improved tiebreakers. I think that, um, you know, right now the way the rules are set up, as it was told to me. Uh, now, this is just what I have confirmed with multiple people. I have not directly looked into it myself, but I've spoken with judges and I've spoken with um, highly competitive players that have all said the same thing. So I will assume it's true. If it is not, I apologize. But that means many people are in the wrong mindset on this. But someone who is 2-1, who wins a match 2-1, is placed higher than someone who wins 2-0. That's absurd. That is actually absurd. That should not happen and that needs to be fixed. I don't care how that has to be fixed. Um, and apparently it's always been like this. I just, I don't know why I didn't know this till recently, but I didn't know it. Um, so that needs to be fixed. Uh, I'd like to see that, you know, based off my opponent's match win rate, 
um, that beat me, I would like to see that be a main tiebreaker. So just tiebreakers improved and just in general. Um, let's see other things that I would like to see improved about the system. Um, Oh, not having turns in game two of overtime. If it hits overtime, everyone should get turns. That's silly. You're there anyways, right? There's no like, there's no reason. I get it. They already won game one, but the format takes too long sometimes to finish three games. Um, I'm on record saying that you can finish three games even with the slowest decks in the game right now, but that's also heavily dependent on your opponent keeping up with your own pace of play. A lot of people will not. And a lot of people will not do it on purpose. And if we want it, we could take that full circle and go back and do another spiel about how you can enforce slow play. Uh, but regardless, not having overtime turns when you're in game two is silly. You should be able to have overtime in game two. Uh, and that's that's pretty much it as far as you know what changes I would like to see going in the 2022 season. Uh, he did ask a few more questions. I'll answer all of them because we have the time. He said, would you guys like webcam regionals to go or a hybrid system? No, re re webcam regionals need to stay. They're a phenomenal idea. I don't care about everyone's argument about how valid they are or, you know, just it, it's it's stupid. People love to talk about who's the best and, you know, throw their resumes out there and argue and whatnot. I don't care about any of that, to be honest with you. What I do care about is accessibility to the game, to all players. Webcam regionals allows that. It should stay a thing. Um, all right. Unison Warrior format. Now that a full sanctioned tournament was run at Nat, should we do more off standard format tournaments? Personally, I could care less about them. If they have them, that's cool. It's a fun thing to do. I did enjoy playing. I thought, here's the thing I viewed it as a less competitive event that I was just going to have some fun in. So as long as it is, and I think a lot of people shared that sentiment because we were all focused on the actual real event the first day. So as long as everyone understands that and it's approached as more of a fun format, I think I would like it. Seeing it replaced though, or as be the only format would be a no for me. Expanding it would also be a no for me. It's cool every now and then as something fun to mix it up, I guess. Uh, but not something that I would personally look forward to. Um, I do like alternative format tournaments. Just that one specifically just doesn't really appeal to me. I would love to see Team Wars. Bring in Team Wars. Bring it back. Celebrations tournaments. I'd love to see that. That That is really, really unique idea. And that is really fun to me. All right. Lastly, in hindsight, what cyborg text would have been low key good now that we know what people played? Uh, that is a good question. Honestly, it's a little hard to answer because there's a lot of decks that you could play in the format. For example, I did not see one yellow deck the whole day when I played at Nats. I did not play against one yellow deck. I had another teammate who I think played like three or four Icarus. Uh, it's just really really hard to know what your trajectory would have been um we had another teammate who actually played android 16 but played against multiple red aggro decks that just killed him uh so it's just it's hard to say uh i would say that now that we know icarus is the big deck in the room and hand destruction is likely going to be prevalent you know cell surge made third place cell surge was in worlds broly was in worlds uh 
I think anyone who risked it by not siding for hand control hate was in the wrong. You definitely need to do that. I think that Soul Striker is prevalent, although it did not really shine through what we saw um, in the direct top results. It was there in top 32. It did do well. It did perform. Um, so untap hate for Soul Striker could be a good idea. I think that Gogeta Zeno obviously was a big a big deck that was played. So Meki Kabora could be a good call to shut down their six drops or any floodgates that you could play for your color. Um, additionally, if you are Gogeta Zeno, I think that the Smoke Dragon Unison is definitely a consideration to play against Icarus because uh, that does help your matchup a lot. And that is a deck that you're going to see. And uh, let's see, what else have we not really talked about? Um, and I mean, we we saw... We saw Yellow Sin, um, so the Bardock, the six drop over on Bardock. I think that's, we were siding it, but if you weren't, I think that's a really good card that you could side to combat Yellow Sin. And um, yeah, I mean, like I said, it's hard to answer because there's so many different decks right now, so many different colors to play. Uh, I know that for Hatchack, I felt actually pretty strong about my side deck. There wasn't much that I would change. I will say Kami was a bad choice. I don't think I would have sided Kami. The reason was because of Icarus. It was to try and clear their boards some and get rid of the poutines and the annihilations, but it just didn't put in work like I thought. And obviously I didn't see yellow, so I didn't even get to put that theory to test and tournament play. Uh, but I think I would have preferred to just play Minus Ball. Uh, Minus Ball is extremely powerful right now and I think is definitely another side deck consideration or really main deck. Uh, being able to warp the poutine uh, is pretty big. So... And just, just on an attack, uh, you can get rid of Goku's. You can any of those small annoying cards. I think uh, it's really good, and the fact that it has a secondary effect just to buff an attack uh, makes it a pretty, uh, a pretty useful card. You know, it has a lot of utility. So, hopefully that that's a good enough answer. Um, I know I struggled a little bit. I was going off the top of my head, uh, but I will do one more question. One more question. Then we're going to wrap up today's episode. Uh, this one comes from Chunkin. He said, what's the hardest part of running the hermit style discord? Oh, that is a good question. Uh, the hardest part of running the hermit style discord. I will say it is living up to everyone's expectations. That is definitely the hardest part. There's so many things I want to do. I want to be active. I want to run all these events. Uh, sometimes, uh, I'll, I'll rephrase, a lot of times I overcommit myself. Uh, that's something I tend to do just because I'm really ambitious. I'm a go-getter um, and I like to really dive all in and do things as the best I possibly can. And I don't like to say no when there's a good idea. <laughs> And if there's a good idea, I want to do it. So sometimes I will overcommit a bit and then all of a sudden you guys won't see me in the discord for a while because I'm trying to get everything done. Um, and then I feel bad, you know, because I'm not I'm not in there and, and interacting and and making it the best community possible. I'm not being as much of a part of it as I would want to be. So I think that is definitely the hardest part is living up to everyone's expectations and actually, you know, at this point, I think it's safe to say we are the best discord for Dragon Ball. Um, I'm not saying that in a, a way to brag, but we are the most active. We are the second largest and 
we really do do the most with our community. Um, so n- nothing subjective here. These are just actual, these are just actual facts, um, about our discord. So i I just feel that it, it puts pressure, you know, it puts pressure for me to make sure that I deliver on what people expect when they join. Um, so I think that that's really the toughest part. It is a lot, you know, we've got like I'll look at it right now. We have 259 people online right now, 1,056 members. There's conversations going on that I have not read in 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 channels I have unread messages in. And I do try my best to read all the messages. So sometime that, sometimes it can just be a lot. It can be a lot. And I know sometimes people tag me or message me on discord and I don't get back to them, but now, now you're learning why (laughs) it is a huge time commitment. And, uh, you know, I do have to also spend some time (laughs) not doing dragon ball related things. Uh, (laughs) not too long ago, my fiance told me that she should join the discord (laughs) so we can have a conversation. And I was like, okay, I get it. I get it. I'll, I'll put discord down. Um, but yeah, so that's, uh, that, that would be the most difficult part. That being said, it's all worth it. I love the discord. It is so fun to have this community that I get to be a part of as well. Um, that was really the one thing that I cared about is to have a welcoming community where everyone can be a part of if they want to be. So, uh, yeah, so that's it. That said, I'll use this to plug the Discord. If you're not in there, get in. There is a link in the description every time. There is a link that I post every time I post a podcast anywhere. So you can find it. And if for some reason you can't, shoot me a message. Eventually I will respond <laughs> and I will give you the link so you can join the best place for the Dragon Ball Super Card game. But that's it. Thank you guys for listening. It was a blast. I have to give a special, special shout out to triple d 93 in the discord um he subscribed to the patreon i'm very thankful for his subscription we're actually getting ready to do a coaching right after this episode so i'm super pumped on that uh, i actually may even use it as some content for the patreon to show our match but um but yeah shout, huge shout out to him actually he also is was the first person to make it to the elite four in the hermit style winter league and was the first person to beat the first Elite Four member. He was the first person to beat Zach and make it to me because I'm the second member of the Elite Four. Um, but unfortunately, I sent him back to Zach. You have to beat everyone consecutively in one run, which is incredibly difficult, I will tell you, because you have to use the same deck. You have to use the same deck and beat all four of us in a row to successfully beat the Elite Four, just like in the Pokemon games. <laughs> Um, but he's crushing it. He, he, he's killing it. He's beaten everybody. (laughs) He's beaten everybody in terms of getting there first. And, uh, yeah, just, just want to give you a shout out, man. I appreciate you. And I'm looking forward to playing some games later today, but that's it, everybody. I will see you next week for a fun episode. We're taking a break from the hyper competitive content. It'll still be there. We're still going to talk, trust me, but I'm going to move to the collector side a little bit as we have this little lull. There's no tournaments. There's no organized play. So we're going to have some fun. I'm going to get some really, really fun guests on the show and uh, go into some topics that we don't get to cover as much when we're really, you know, in the heat of everything, going through all these different meta decks. We've got some time. We've got some time. The format's figured out. You know, the reveals are about to be done and the set doesn't drop till March 3rd. We get pre-release. So we've got lots of time and that's a perfect opportunity to do some things like this because let's face it. 
we play this game because we love it. Um, and there's a lot of different aspects than just playing the best deck possible. So, anyways, see you next time, guys. Yeah,